What's going on, everyone? And welcome in to another edition of B Shafe Daily Live. Is tonight we're breaking down a Cardinals loss, aren't we? And then it's so much more than that. Uh, with the roster news from this afternoon, with the St. Louis Cardinals optioning Jordan Walker to Memphis, that was the news that dominated the pregame. And then you thought, well, you know what would be a great way to make that all go away? And in the consternation over that decision, whether you agreed with it, disagreed with it, doesn't really matter. Uh, the bottom line was, can Steven Matz pitch this Cardinals team to a win tonight? That would make a lot of the hurt go away, wouldn't it? It would make everybody feel uh, just a little bit better, if only for a moment, about where the Cardinals are at. But that did not happen. Uh, we can talk about the outing by Steven Matz. We can talk about the outing by the offense, which, once again, I consider that this Cardinals team, if it's going to figure things out at some point in time, it needs to be the offense carrying the load. I think this can still be one of the better offenses in the league. And you might look at OPS data and batting average and different things and say, well, there's still a top half offense so far, but the inconsistency has been glaring. And that's where the Cardinals are going to get caught because uh, their pitching is not going to be consistent enough to carry them. The offense has got to be the thing to me, the way they're constructed. The offense has got to carry this Cardinals team. It hasn't done it so far, and the pitching certainly has had its trouble as we've uh, continued to highlight. But the problem for the Cardinals is that, once again, I'll repeat it, they're not elite enough in any one area to carry or overcome the deficiencies of the other spots on this roster right now. And uh, they're going through it a little bit, too, with certain things that you don't expect to be happening. I don't think you expect Nolan Arenado to be as you know as rough right now as he is at the plate over the course of a full season. It, you figure it's going to get better. Um, you don't expect there to be a line drive double play that is triple digits in exit velocity pretty much every freaking night. Lars Nupar was the lucky guest tonight. Line one back to the pitcher. Uh, I believe that was him that had the double play there in the late innings. Like, they are going through some bad luck. That's true. But then there are a bunch of other bad things happening that have nothing to do with luck. It has a lot to do with performance and, and, and things going wrong that are kind of uh, man-made, right? And you can only have so many of those things happen without the elite performance in another area to kind of overcome it, right? Like, Paul Goldschmidt was elite tonight. He was incredible. Two home runs, a double, a late base hit. Yes, he grounded into the double play that ended the game. Don't get me started. The Cardinals did not lose tonight because of Paul Goldschmidt grounding into a double play to end the game. They lost because of a bunch of other reasons. But, like, you get that elite performance from Goldschmidt in so many areas. You don't get it from the pitchers. You have Zach Thompson give up a home run, which is so uncharacteristic. He's been probably the Cardinals' most consistent reliever. And it's one of those deals where before last night you would have said similar things about Ryan Helsley. You didn't have any issue with Ryan Helsley in the way that he had performed. And yet here we are, two consecutive days, those are guys that give up big bombs that cost the Cardinals. And you go, well, that's not going to be sustainable. Like, they're not going to do that every night. No, but like, they're 9-16 and 16 right now, guys. I'm not waving the white flag for this team, but this is bad. This is bad, and it doesn't really matter what the reasons are or what happens on a daily basis to cause it, right? Like, when you get to this point, and yeah, it's still April. The calendar only gets to say that for a few more days, though, and then it's going to be May. And then will we say, well, it's only May? Yeah, we probably will, but maybe not if the team is like 9-19, and 10-21. Like, there comes a point where you just have to snap back into reality, and right now the Cardinals, like, I don't know what it's going to be. I named the stream... When is this nightmare going to end for the Cardinals? Because it feels like one of those deals that whether you can explain it or not, and on a nightly basis, you can look at it and go, well, this is why they lost tonight. That surely won't happen again. But then the next damn thing that you don't expect happens. And so, like, there's no great explanation right now. I'm not even, my internet's been going in and out all night, and so I don't have the post game up to see what, what Ollie is saying or anything like that. But as always, let me know if you have any interesting insights or thoughts about, about the things going on in the postgame that I'm not going to see. But it's just like, man, they they keep, yes, they're snake bit in one respect, but then in another respect, they're playing Bad News Bears Little League Baseball. Multiple errors, just the, the types of errors that shouldn't be made. I say be aggressive on the bases, and then the guy that chooses to do so is Wilson Contreras, and he, I, you know, trying to steal second to make something happen, I respect that, but it's not... That didn't work out, right? Like, there, it's just they are they are in the midst of an identity crisis. And the Cardinals tried to solve it or, or at least make it a little better today by sending Jordan Walker to Memphis. And it's not to say that he's the problem, although I very sarcastically put that in an article uh, on, on the tweet headline of my article for KMOV just detailing the Walker news uh, because it's like, 
when you make a move like this, the optics of it are, well, we got to fix something. And so, uh, yeah, let's send out Jordan Walker because he's been the issue. Like the jokes sort of write themselves. And whether it's true or not, what, whatever the, the, the realistic uh, reasons behind making a move like that are, you got to know that the scrutiny is going to go up after something like that happens. After the way they talked about Jordan Walker in the spring training session and said, look, we know he had some, uh, some struggles in the Grapefruit League. But then we we believe in what he does on a day to day. We believe in the way he carries himself, his his emotional maturity to be able to get it figured out, even when things aren't going well for him. We trust Jordan Walker, and that's why we're bringing him with us to St. Louis. You're telling me from the numbers that he put up, all of that changed in four weeks? No, that's why I that's why I find it a little bit disingenuous. You can look individually at the Jordan Walker move and go, all right, he is a terrible defender. He's not an outfielder though. He only started playing it eight months ago or whatever it was. So, yeah, it stands to reason that he's not great out there. I think he has the raw athleticism and skills to become a serviceable right fielder. He's not right now. I get it. The metrics are going to tell you he's one of the worst, and they're probably right. Um, But that's one of those deals where, okay, you believe in the bat because that's the reason Jordan Walker's here. He's not here to be a gold glover. He's here to bat for you. And if you believe in the bat, you find ways to get him in your lineup anyway. And that's why last night I said I'm starting Dylan Carlson in center field for a week in a row because I think he's their best defensive center fielder, notwithstanding the boneheaded error he made last night. But, like, I still would believe that. And if you're trying to find a way to angle yourself around a guy like Jordan Walker, I would put the best defensive center fielder that I have next to him just to try to make that vibe a little bit better. The Cardinals decided that's not the way they're going to go. They're going to go with Jordan Walker and Memphis just getting the reps, getting the opportunities to get better. Uh, both in the batter's box. John Mozeliak on KMOX uh, this afternoon before the game was talking about his his work behind the scenes with coaches on the launch angle and the, getting lift on the ball. His ground ball rate has been rough, and so uh, that has caused a dip in the production for Jordan Walker. But like the final three games that he played, he was actually pretty good. Putting the ball in play, getting base hits, went four for 10, had a couple of walks. No, he's not hitting for a ton of power, but even with all of that said, the OPS was like 719. 718, that's almost identical, I think, to what Nolan Gorman was last year, uh, for instance. So, like, he was doing some good things still to where I felt like he could have figured it out at the big league level. But if you're saying we're not going to prioritize that right now, that's fine, but you better make sure that the guys you are prioritizing are going to get you some wins. That's kind of the way I look at it. Um, and tonight, the Cardinals obviously didn't. 7-3 to three loss. I've talked for a while. I, I kind of focused a little bit of the conversation so far about Jordan Walker because it was something that I felt like we were going to get a chance to really dive into this afternoon. I threw up a little podcast on the B-Shape Daily feed, if you follow it on Spotify, um, just talking about Jordan Walker for about 10 to 15 minutes from this afternoon. But it, it was an attempted YouTube Live that got derailed because of the internet. And so uh, you can listen to that if you're looking for some extra content. Um, but now we're going to get into a little bit more talking about the game. I'm going to take a quick sip of water, and then I'm going to dive into these comments beginning with the uh, bird calls here. Really quickly while I'm getting the water, 20 of y'all have not liked the stream yet. I'm going to be that guy. If you could give me a quick like and a sub, if you would subscribe to the YouTube channel, I got to figure out if there's a graphics person out there that knows how I can get it on the screen right here where it goes subscribe right here. That's what I need to be doing. But I need a quick sip of water, and then we'll dive into the comment section. Okay. That feels better. My voice was, uh, whoo, it was going a little bit. Okay, bird calls. Can we find eight guys who can play their position well and just leave them there? Stop moving these guys around like they're stratomatic cards. They are humans. They need consistency. That's a great theory. But can we talk about, like, we got to be fair to what the Cardinals are trying to do here for a moment. Because coming into the season, I was one of the people, and maybe you as a fan weren't like this, but I was one of the people saying the Cardinals have better depth than they ever have, 1 through 12 of their position players. And that can be used to benefit this team because you can play the platoon matchups and you can get advantages that in past years, the Cardinals have not been able to to match up that way. And so I thought that was a positive. I really did. But maybe the aspect that we didn't consider enough was when you do that, when you have a one through 12 that you're rolling through and you're trying to maximize platoons on a daily basis, what can sometimes get lost in the shuffle is the human element of it. And you've got to have buy-in from everybody on that team that, hey, this is the way we're going to run things and handle it in St. Louis now moving forward. This may not be the way we've done things before, but it's the way we're going to do it now. And uh, sorry, my my cord is a little messed up there. Okay, that probably looked ridiculous. Okay, and this is the way we're doing it now in St. Louis. As a manager, as a front office, it's their jobs to make sure that the 26 guys in that room 
understand and buy into it. Because if they don't have that buy-in, it's not going to be successful. And Ollie has talked a lot about like acknowledging that, knowing that, and by the way he discusses it, these are conversations that have been taking place. But saying and doing are maybe two different things. And so if the Cardinals say, hey, we think we've got the buy-in, but then on the field, we don't necessarily see the results of that, it's fair to question it. And I think the outfield is a particular area of that because we have seen uneven play from the outfielders as a group throughout this season, I think it's fair to say. Like, there have been some bright spots offensively from some guys. Um, there have been some defensive woes from others and and even from those guys. Tyler O'Neill is an outfielder, and his big deal of the second week of the season or first week, whenever it was, was, yeah, he wasn't hustling. Like, that was a, an outfielder, right? So we're looking at this group as a whole, and we've talked about how there are five guys for three spots, and you can't make that puzzle fit on a daily basis. You just can't. And Ollie Marmel even acknowledged that it's not fair to those guys that a number of them aren't being given the chance at, at this stage of their career. Like, they're all pretty young guys, right, trying to fight for either that next contract or fight for their lives in the big leagues, right? Like, think of an Alec Burleson. Think of where Dylan Carlson is right now compared to the way he was viewed a year ago at this time. These guys are all looking for those opportunities. And so it can be a difficult thing as a manager to say, hey, you're not playing for three days. Hey, you're going to be a defensive sub. You're going to, I mean, it's it can be difficult to get that buy-in. Even from the most quality of, of young men and teammates, man, these are these are people too, and they're trying to, to have their careers go the way they want them to. And so that's where I think you may be with like the Tampa Bay Rays and the Los Angeles Dodgers style of we're going to roll through 10, 11, 12 guys on a daily basis, and the lineup's always going to be different dependent upon the matchup. That can work, but it doesn't just happen overnight. And I'm not saying the Cardinals have approached it in a way that they believe it just happens um, because I believe Ali Marmol to be an effective communicator. I don't think he or anybody else on the staff right now is living up to their jobs because the results are saying they're not. And that's a hard thing because I can look behind the scenes and say, hey, these guys are quality. They know what they're doing. But the, at the end of 162 games, we're going to see on the field whether they did or not. And if they lost 90 games or if they lost 82 games even, like we're going to be able to look at it and say, yep, they fell significantly short of expectations. And that's the players doing that. I see a lot of people pining for Ali to be fired. I don't think that's what's going to happen here. Um, granted, if they lose 10 more games now, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I still don't expect them to lose the next day. I go into every day going, all right, surely today's going to be the day they're going to fix it. And they continue not to fix it. And it happens in a different way each time. Like, the concern there will grow. I don't – John Mozeliak has got to be hating this because he never in his wildest dreams imagined when they fired Mike Schilt that what was going to happen is we're going to hire Ollie, but uh, uh, into year two of his tenure, we're going to have some really rocky footing that we're dealing with before the month of May. Like, Mo never thought this was coming. I promise you, he didn't see this coming. And so they're having to work through a little bit of that right now. I don't think he's firing a third manager. And so I, the reason I, I feel like I'm disproportionate in the way I'm talking about this because I'm, I'm giving it too much credit um, compared to what I think it deserves because I don't think it's on the table right now. But I can't be naive to the fact that, like, it's bad out there. And they as a group are going to have to figure it out. Coaching staff is going to have to figure it out. I think Ollie's a good manager. I also think that some things are going bad right now and it's on him to fix it because he's got to set the tone in that clubhouse. So he could be doing everything right on paper, but in in terms of on on passion and on communication and everything, like you gotta you gotta take it up another notch because the results still aren't getting there. I look at it from a pitching coach perspective. Dusty Blake's gotta figure things out, man. Like I think he's a good pitching coach. I think it's nice to have a guy with an analytical mind in there. Uh, to be able to tap into that aspect of the game in 2023. However, you also just got to go out and make sure you're getting the job done, right? Like bring the spreadsheet onto the lifetime, right? Bring it into the, the, the dugout and onto the field. And it's not to say that I don't think Dusty Blake can do that, but he's new to the job. Can we acknowledge that? He's new to the job in St. Louis. He's gotten a promotion. He's got a new level of responsibility. Ali Marmel had that year of responsibility under his belt, but he's also going into now a year with a brand-new bench coach, a guy that, uh, by the way, wasn't their first choice to be the bench coach. I think Joe McEwing is great and and kind of was very fortunate for the Cardinals that he was available when they they lose Matt Holliday late in that process just because uh, if you're looking for a chance at some continuity, that's a guy that's done the job before, and that can be beneficial. But again, that is a new factor at play. We're just talking about the different factors that are different this year. If you're trying to isolate what's going on, 
I don't think it's just like any one thing that you can point to. Turner Ward, I think, is an experienced baseball man that can can do very good things as a hitting coach of this team. But you look right now, that is the new role that he is in this year. And so there's all of that happening at once while going through some turmoil as a team within the first four weeks that nobody, frankly, expected to be there. And so that's a lot to get to at one given time for this Cardinals team. So I don't think they're making any drastic moves. I tweeted it out because somebody said this roster is not going to win it. And I retweeted and I said, let me know what, what would you do? What change would you make? Because I don't think there are a lot of obvious ones. They made the Walker one. And that was less about Jordan Walker, I think, and more about, all right, rest of y'all outfielders. You won't be able to say you don't have playing time now because we can roll through each of you and get you three, four, five starts a week uh, with Jordan Walker no longer on the active roster. He's going to play every day because by June or July, He's going to play every day. Now we're just going to find out whose spot he's taken when he gets back here. That's To me, that is the onus that's been put down on this outfield. And right now, it is an underperforming group. And I hate to just single out one aspect of the team while everything is burning around you. But, you know, Newpar 0 for 4 with a walk tonight. He's hitting 222. They expect big things from him. He's got to deliver those big things. Alec Burleson, 0 for tonight, did have a run scored on a walk. But he's hitting 232. He's supposed to be the contact-oriented guy. Tyler O'Neill, 0 for tonight. Did reach base via walk. As a team, the Cardinals tonight had eight hits. Paul Goldschmidt, though, had four of them. This was an example of a Paul Goldschmidt game where he goes, screw it, I will do it myself. And it turns out in baseball, it's the worst sport to be able to, to, to actually accomplish that when you set out to do it. Because there's nine other guys that, that have to get it done eight guys in the batting order plus a pitcher, and then the relievers that you bring in and the pinch hitters that you bring in and the substitutes on uh, in the field that you bring in, you can't do it alone. If uh, if Paul Goldschmidt was there in, uh, what was it, Miami Heat, we're playing the Bucks. If he was if he was taking Giannis's spot tonight, Paul Goldschmidt probably hits his free throws, first of all. And maybe in basketball you can do it. You could be one man that just takes over a game like a, like a Jimmy Butler does, and you can get it done. Can't do it in baseball. If you could, Paul Goldschmidt would have done it tonight uh, because he was fantastic. And again, I'm not going to hold that against him that the very last time of the game he didn't come through because, I mean, you can't ask him to do much more than he did tonight. But everybody else offensively, especially the outfielders, because guess what? Now the onus is on you. As an outfield, the onus is on you. You can look around at those four guys and say, hey, they sent out their top prospects so we could have an opportunity to show our stuff. They damn well better show it because if they don't, one or two of them at least are going to be out of here by middle of the season, whether that means down to Memphis, traded, whatever the case might be, or just kind of resigned to a bench role at that point. Because it's going to it's going to come a time where production is all that matters. And this clears the deck a little bit in, in a very unorthodox way because the Cardinals said, we believe that Walker, once he gets here, he's got the build, he's got the mental fortitude, he's going to figure it out, he's going to be a guy that can, okay, that was all nice and warm and fuzzy, it sounded good, it's, it was a nice quote when he came up, but you don't, four weeks later, they're not singing the same tune. And there are people out there who are smart people who are saying this is actually a good thing. Walker to go to Memphis is fine because he does need to develop as an outfielder. He can do this without the pressure of an everyday pennant race or what you hope would be a pennant race. And he can also establish himself and figure out the launch angle and the lift and stop hitting so many ground balls so that when he gets back, you're maximizing his potential. And that there are smart people that believe that, and they're, they're right. I still think if the Cardinals felt on day one that Walker had it in him to figure it out at this level, that's why they bring him up in the first place. And if you've made that commitment, you keep it. And to me, you plant him in right field every single day or in the designated hitter spot, at which point, yeah, you have to figure things out because Nolan Gorman's one of your best hitters. Uh, Brendan Donovan hasn't been, though, so he can afford to sit a few days uh, as well. He was over tonight but did walk. And the batting average is fine. That The power that I thought was going to be there for Donovan, that's been a disappointment that it's gone away the way that it has. But I'm just talking in circles a little bit because I want to demonstrate that, like, this is a team that should be good offensively, and right now they're going through it. And th- this pitching staff is not good enough to carry an offense that's going through it. Nolan Arenado is absolutely going through it, my friends. He doesn't look right at the plate. 0 for 4 tonight with a couple of strikeouts. Like, that's just not going to get it done. And it's not on him. It's on all of them. The offense has to be better. This team was built to have a starting pitching staff that could be just good enough 
a bullpen that could support them in that endeavor, but an offense that would slug the crap out of the ball and just be better than other teams at that rate. And they're not doing it. So, I, I mean, I put the onus everywhere. All the things I said about the coaching staff, it's true. They got to figure it out. Come to it collectively and be better. Lineup's got to be better. And they don't, I, let's make this clear. They don't have to. They don't have to be better. They can lose 90 games. The sky won't fall. Fans are going to be pissed. But, they, I mean, that's fine. It can happen. But when I say they've got to do this or that, it's of the mindset that this is a, this is a team that wants to make the playoffs and then do damage when they get there. That's the bottom line. I've, I've talked for too long. I'm going to read these comments, I swear. Uh, thank you all. Jeff can see me and hear me. Uh, rock bottom doesn't exist. Yep, you can always go lower, I suppose. But if they go much lower, then you are going to start seeing heads roll. Like you can't, you can't be in two weeks if they're if they're, you know, two in, of their next fourteen or fifteen. All the things I'm saying tonight aren't going to be applicable anymore because we'll be living in a different world at that point. Hunter says I can confidently say it's the most embarrassed I've ever been to call myself a fan of this franchise. It's been rough, man. It's been rough. Uh, Steven is moving back to Columbia, getting hammered at Harpo's. I love the sound of that right now. <laughs> Got to be honest with you. Allison's here. Janelle wants to throw up. Don't do it. Don't do it, Janelle. Uh, Blue Jays Rock 6 is embarrassed as well. How many are embarrassed to be a Cardinals fan tonight? There's a number of you. Uh, give me a like on the stream and a subscription on the YouTube. Sub the channel. That is how you make the world go round, folks. I've uh, been waiting all day to hear me rant on it. Why did they recall a dude the entire league passed on? Meanwhile, Yep has launched another bomb in Durham tonight. Yeah, Taylor Motter is probably a really great guy. He shouldn't be on this roster today. Um, and it's less about Taylor Motter to me and more about, like, the way the Cardinals said they were going to manage this thing. And I'm not going to denigrate Paul DeYoung. Denigrate? Denigrate? Paul DeYoung because he comes out tonight and was one of the produ- the guys who was actually productive offensively. Two for four, had an RBI, also had a ball to the wall that, that you know, wasn't a home run, but it was a notable swing. And so he actually does look a little more locked in and better at the plate right now. Um, it's crazy to me that he is being given, like, the starting shortstop job. Not starting, but when he's in the game, he's playing shortstop, and that's nuts to me. I thought he was going to be the utility guy. That's what they said at winter warm-up. Coming into spring training, they said, hey, Paul DeYoung, First of all, John Mozalek said, I know you're going to groan when I say his name, but Paul Young, we think he can be better. He's working on some things. He's going to be a factor this year, but he's also going to have to move around the diamond a little bit. They haven't moved him around the diamond. They've moved Tommy Edmond around the diamond. And like offensively, if he's not performing, that's one thing. But I think it's a little bit, it's, it's a false flag operation. It was one thing and now it's another when it comes to Paul Young. because what I thought was going to happen based on what they said was going to happen, was that Paul DeYoung's going to come back. And he's literally taking Taylor Motter's spot on the roster, so how hard is that to figure out? He's your he's your new 26-man utility man, but he's going to hit for more power than Motter did. He's going to be a little better at shortstop than Motter could be, but he can also play second and third. And yet, they're not doing it. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just a preference thing by Paul DeYoung. If it's their preference on his behalf, I don't know if it's, well, common sense. Tommy Edmond was a gold-glove second baseman. He can go back there. That's not the way they talked about Tommy Edmond in the offseason. Tommy Edmond is our shortstop. That's what John Mozalek said. But I don't know. I guess it wasn't true, which is fine if you don't want it to be true. But that would explain why you need Taylor Motter because they're saying, well, Paul DeYoung can't play second or third. He's got to only play shortstop if he comes into a game. They haven't said that, but I'm just going by their actions. I would have Tommy Edmond play shortstop. I would have him do it every day until the point at which you don't think he offensively is, is conducive to that role. I would have Paul Young play baseball pretty often for this team. He's just taken spots of other guys at second base. He'll fill in at third. Arenado, you could sit Arenado tomorrow, and I think that's fine. Sit him for another day because he doesn't look right right now. Give him another opportunity to figure it out. I don't know what the answer is for a veteran like that. If it's just, no, 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 he needs to play through it. Maybe that's the case. But I'm I'm just saying I don't understand why it's the young at shortstop and Edmund at second base the last two days when Edmund has made an error at second. Maybe I'm overthinking this because the dude was a gold glover there, but they told Tommy Edmund, Hey bro, you're going to be the starting shortstop this year. Don't worry. Paul DeYoung, you know, he's going to be part of this team, but then he's going to, he's in a different role. And then you pull the rug out from under him. And I'm not saying Tommy Edmund needs me to defend him. He's a mentally tough guy. He doesn't need me to, I mean, this is just my own doing because I'm looking at it as an outsider on this road trip going, that's not what they said they would do. That's not that's not what they said they would do at all. And so does Tommy Eben think 
in the back of his mind, man, I'm getting screwed having to play second instead of short. No, that's not the kind of player or person that he is. But I'll say it, like, they said they were going to do one thing and they did another. Maybe, hopefully, they communicated that to him behind the scenes, and I'll bet that they did because I still give Ollie credit as a good communicator. I think he is one. Twitter will say I'm wrong. I believe that he is. But that being said, I don't agree with the moves. And so that's my little side rant. But it pertains to the question that Hunter asked about Taylor Motter. Why is he there instead of Yepes? Maybe that's the answer. If they feel like we've got, you know, Paul DeYoung can't be as flexible and versatile as we thought he could, that would be your answer. Because Taylor Motter, what they said on the broadcast, I respect the guys in the broadcast booth, they were wrong. Taylor Motter, it's not like, well, he's been a super sub his whole career, so this team could really use that. No, man, that's a cheerleader on the bench. It sounds nice to say, but it's not... It's not reality. What they need is guys who can hit. Juan Yepes, maybe he can or can't hit at the big league level. I don't know. He's shown some very good things, and he's been his chain has been yanked around quite a bit by this team. But before, I could always at least see it like, no, I think Jordan Walker should be on this team. Sorry, Yepi. Like, that's a bummer. You'll get your shot. Like, there have been cases where I've not been Team Yepes of he's getting screwed. Today, I was like, this guy's getting screwed. This is ridiculous what they're doing to Juan Yepes right now. It's and it's, it's nonsense. And you might say, well, they want Yepes to play every day as well. Why? They clearly don't see him as an everyday guy, so you might as well see what you can get out of him at the big league level because I seem to recall a game late last year when he came off the bench and hit a home run late and was the only offense they had in an entire playoff game. So he can do that role. And this team can use every possibility at damage late in games that they can find. That's Juan Yepes. It's ridiculous that Taylor Motter is on this team and, and not Juan Yepes. And it's not about Taylor Motter. It's about what the team is built around and what they're failing to do right now and what he could add versus what Motter can add. I think Motter is redundant unless you really don't think Paul Young can play multiple positions. If he can't, you've got bigger problems on your hands because, yeah, then you are going to have to tell Tommy Evans, sorry, you actually aren't going to play shortstop as often as we thought because Paul Young's actually hitting, which is a credit to him. But then you get back into, do you have the buy-in from the team of what their different role is going to be? You can't. It sounds great to sit in January and say one thing, but if you don't plan on honoring it four months later, that's crummy. Like, that's just the bottom line to me. Maybe I'm overreacting, but it's just like when you're, six, when you're 9 and 16, you think about all these little things and go, wait a minute, this ain't right. This ain't right. That's not what they said. Hold them to what they say is what I would say. And there are times where... Fan bases overreact, and they they take things out of context that aren't fair, and, and Mo might say something, and then it you know they twist the words of a guy. I've seen it done. It's not just the Cardinals fan base that does it, but I've seen it done. But there are other times where you go, no, this is what they said, and they're not, they're not keeping up to that. So you ask them why, and then they might have a reason that it changed or whatever. But at the end of the day, you can hold it to their word. That's kind of the way I think about it. All right. And this is a difficult question, but I'll cover it as well. From Snips, who asked, Mo has to be on the hot seat, right? No. Mo is not on the hot seat. You can criticize his work and all those things. Mo is not on the hot seat. I could be wrong, but I'm just telling you, he's not. He'll pick his retirement date with this team. The date might be sooner than you thought it would be, but he's still going to pick it. That contract he signed in spring training, it goes through what, like 2025? He said by the end of that contract, and maybe people don't realize this, but, I, you know, was trying to wave the flag and say at the time, if you watch that press conference that day, he talked about the transition period and what that would look like. He wasn't talking about after 2025. He was talking about before it. 2025, by 2025, I don't believe Mo is in the same role that he's in today. Not because he gets fired, but because he is going to begin to pass the baton. Now, it's really hard to pass the baton if you're not doing it in the midst of just really consistent success the way the Cardinals have had year over year. This is a bad year to have that going on because it's like, well, no, I got I to gotta get my hands on the steering wheel of this ship and steer it back into motion. Like, that's a tricky situation. With the Mo backdrop being what it is, the fact that he was hopefully, ideally, going to begin to slowly kind of step out of his role or at least into reduced responsibilities, putting more on the plates of other capable people in that front office. That was the plan. But he's not getting fired. Bill DeWitt and John Mozalock are a our team. They approach this as a team. He's got that kind of equity and longevity within the organization. And you you might make you mad. It's just I'm just telling you the way that it is, though. So no, Mo is not on the hot seat. And when I'm wrong and he gets fired, I, I will be blindsided and I'll come on here on YouTube 
and I'll say, Snips, one, two, seven, you were right and I was wrong. But until then, I'm going to stick with the way, I, the way I view it because I'm trying to be honest and authentic with you guys about how I view it. Uh, let's see. Caleb, the team feels dead. Get in a brawl or something. Absolutely get in a brawl. Get somebody suspended. Maybe Arnado suspended for a game. <laughs> like, I don't know what they need, but, but something, right? Uh, why the quick trigger on the 20-year-old top prospect? Did we expect him to come out and hit for an 800 OPS all season? That's exactly my point. If you believed in it on April 1st or on May, you know, March 31st, whatever the opening day was, how do you not believe in it on April 27th when the numbers he put up were actually pretty good? 270 batting average, uh, 720 OPS, pretty much. Like, he did fine. 12-game hitting streak to begin the career. That's not so bad. But there are underlying things, I think, that they want to see different from him so that he can have more long-term success. I'm talking about the power stroke uh, and, and specifically being able to man right field capably for a team that has uh, a bunch of other kind of mid-level outfielders that they can't decide between. Like, I view it as July comes around, maybe before July, but later on this season, Jordan Walker's going to be back, and when he's back, he's planted to the ground in right field. He doesn't move other than to take a seat on the bench when he DHs. Like, he plays every game. And we're going to see the Cardinals spend, whether it's weeks or months, finding out whose spot he's taking. That's the way I look at it now. Because enough. Enough of the carousel. You've got to figure out who can play and who can't play. And that's what's hard because this is a Cardinals team. We're talking about a Cardinals team that has gotten that question and answer wrong in the past. They got it wrong about Randy Rosarena. They got it wrong about Adolis Garcia. Who, Adolis Garcia, you know, the whole league was wrong about him. Rangers DFA'd him, but they brought him back, and they're glad they did. So, like, the Cardinals have gotten this wrong before, and I think that's what ha has them so gun-shy about, oh, what do we do? Let's just play everybody because uh, then we don't have to make a decision. Like, it's tricky. They don't want to get it wrong again. It's a it's a bad look to get it wrong again. In the same way that it would have been a bad look if four days ago they sent out Jordan Walker for Paul DeYoung. Can you imagine the S-storm that would have been? But, like, I think that's what they were planning to do the whole time because they said on the broadcast tonight, Taylor Motter's agent told him, no, 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 don't leave Seattle. Just chill for a second. They're going to need you. Like, they knew this was coming before the San Francisco series, the way it was described. And then you don't have Jordan Walker play at all in the San Francisco series. So I feel like that decision was made Sunday night. I don't know for sure, but I'm just doing the math on this and what they said on TV. And so it's just like, did you do it for optics? Is that why you waited? Because it doesn't make it any better. I think the optics are still terrible. I don't care when it would have been or whether it would have been DeYoung coming back for uh, Jordan Walker or anybody else. It doesn't make a difference. The optics of it are bad because you committed to Jordan Walker and then you decommitted after four weeks of decent offensive performance up and down. But he's 20. What did you expect? Exactly uh, Hunter's point there. What did you expect to see from him in the early going? And if you, if you knew the player that he was, he's pretty much given you exactly what you should have expected. And that includes the bad outfield play. Because guess what? Newsflash, he's not an outfielder. He's a brand new one. And so it was going to be a struggle. It wasn't going to happen overnight that he would become a great outfielder. And so if they knew that initially, why was he with the team? I Like, that's where the it's one or the other. I don't think you can go back on it four weeks in without some due criticism. And that's why I'm giving it today. Again, there are smart people who say this was the right move because they rushed it in the first place. But if he's here... He's here, right? And so you got to play him. But if I'm John Mozeliak and I'm saying play this kid, and all I'm almost going, I got to play these other guys, then at that point Mo's like, well, screw it. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to make a move here, and maybe I give you Taylor Motter instead of Yepes just to prove a point. I don't know what that's about. I still don't know what that's about. Uh, Taylor Motter is a great guy. I, I hate that I'm saying such negative things. It's not about Motter. It's about what this team needs, and they need pop. Juan Yepes provides it. Taylor Motter historically over the course of his career hasn't. It's that simple. Uh, Jeff says not doing anything offensive. If Arnado doesn't figure it out, he looks hurt. Um, I don't think he's hurt. I think he's real. I mean, maybe he is hurt. I don't know. But he looks like the swing is just off, man. Whatever changes he tried to make. And again, Arnado is probably a Hall of Fame baseball player, and I am not, right? So recognize that I totally understand that when I say this. But if I'm Arnado and I do what I did last year, I'm not coming into this year going, I need to poke singles to the opposite field. No, that's ridiculous. <laughs> you, you keep the swing that you had. That being said, you always, as a pro at his level, are going to try to adjust and get better and improve. And so in the process of that, he's kind of maybe gotten himself caught in between. I will say this, on, on the second strikeout that he had tonight, 
he pulled the ball down the left field line and it was fouled by a few feet, but he ripped it. And so that's the kind of Arenado that we're used to seeing. I think he might be close to breaking out of it, but you're right. If he doesn't break out of it, the Cardinals are boned because he needs to be one of their best hitters. The good news is Paul Goldschmidt is, was in that same boat before tonight, and then he doubled his home run total for the year today in about a span of 40 minutes. So that was cool. Uh, eight games back from the Pirates. That is funny. Like, it's not funny. It's like in a sad way kind of funny, but it is kind of funny. Okay. Allison asks one of my favorite questions of the summer. Um, thoughts on the Cubs only being at Bush for one series in July. Did the new scheduling ruin the rivalries? And I did say to ask this question again. Uh, the new scheduling did ruin the rivalries because, well, I mean, it ruined the Cardinals-Cubs rivalry. Granted, part of it is the fact that they play in London. Um, that That's taking away a home series from the Cardinals that they're doing that. But I looked at the schedule when it came out. Guess which rivalries do still get to play in September despite the balanced schedule? Yankees-Red Sox, Dodgers-Giants. Go down the list. The Cardinals-Cubs one is the one that got completely left out, and they're they're packing it all into, what, a, a one series in July, and then maybe they play another one in, in at Wrigley in, in late July. I think you get one weekend series at Wrigley all summer. It's ridiculous going both ways, what they've done. Spread them out. Make it a, make it a an appointment-viewing situation for both fan bases. Maybe it's the London thing that messed it up, but I think it's ridiculous that the that MLB did that to the Cardinals and Cubs when they would never do that to the Giants and the Dodgers. They would never do it to the Yankees and Red Sox ever. You would never have that situation, pennant race in September potential, and those teams aren't playing each other. It would never happen, I promise you. MLB wouldn't let it. Uh, do they pull off a random guy uh, off the street when Marmol, uh, when they name Marmol the manager? No, the dude's got a lot of experience and he's a bright guy. Um, but I won't sound like a bright guy if I keep saying that and they keep losing. But Caleb says, why are we blaming Ollie? Can't we blame the actual players for once or the front office? Yes. Blame the players is where I would. Well, blame the, the front office is fine because they put it together and they even said it at uh, winter warmup. Mo said, hey, we didn't look at this area to upgrade for a big bat at shortstop. We didn't look at starting pitching to make a big upgrade. Um, and maybe we'll look back in six months and we'll see that as a strategic mistake. But our hope is that that won't be the case and that we will have enough in those areas. That's almost verbatim what he said. So hold them to that. Like, if it was a strategic mistake, you can you can continue to bang the drum and say, front office made a strategic mistake. They did not have the horses. They thought they did. They're not going to get away with winning with what they've got. Like, if that's the case and how you feel, flaunt it, my man. But otherwise, you know, I, I agree. Look at the players and say, why, why can't the Cardinals score more than three runs? Why can't they score more than seven runs in three games against the Giants uh, who coming into this series were awful? I mean, this is a Giants team that is now 11-13, and 13, but they were 8-13 and 13 before this series. So do that math. I mean, this wasn't a juggernaut team. They're getting waxed by what had been a pretty mediocre team at best. Why is Carlson still the odd man out? And why do you think they keep planning, uh, they keep giving Newt the center field reps over him? They they think Newt has the better bat. Is is it, that's a simple version of it, um, and they're probably right. But I agree that Carlson's been buried this year. And if the other outfielders were performing, it would make a lot more sense. Nobody's performing. Why does Burleson get a longer leash than Carlson Walker? I don't know. I don't know. I can tell you my guess as to why they do over Walker. They think Burleson is less of a butcher in the field, which is kind of debatable. He's not an above-average fielder. I don't care what metrics you look at. He's a, he's a poor fielder um, overall. He's a, he's a below-average fielder in the corners, Burleson. Uh, he has the potential to be average or above because he has a very good arm when he can hone it, and he's got the ability to make an athletic play. His range is poor. Um, and so, like, why does Walker get docked for that so much and Burleson doesn't? I don't know, but Burleson bats left-handed, and that has some value as well. So you have to almost look at it like Burleson and Walker, despite both being corner outfielders, slightly different roles in terms of what their their value to the roster is um, because they figure that Burleson should be able to hit right-handed pitching consistently. Um, and I don't have to agree with those reasons, but I think those are what the reasons are. The Carlson one, I don't get. They just think Carlson can't hit. That's probably what it is. Um, and whether they're right or not, I'd still put him in center field because he's, I, despite what happened last night, which was one of the worst errors I've seen all year, I still believe in Carlson defensively. But wouldn't your confidence be shot, man? Like, that's the thing. You make one little mistake and you get banished. That's what's happened to, to Dylan Carlson. And I think it's kind of a joke because Tyler O'Neill's made tons of mistakes this year. I can tell you them. The manager called him out for one of them. 
but he's got upside, man, and so they're trying to see it through. But I feel like they have not given that same latitude to Carlson. Like, one guy gets thrown under the bus, but then gets the playing time. He continues to get it, and then Tyler O'Neill. They've never thrown Dylan under the bus, but they just don't play him. I don't know which one I would rather be, honestly. Throw me under the bus, coach. I don't give a damn. If I get to play, you can say whatever you want about me to the media. It doesn't matter. Like, maybe that's part of it. I don't know. Ed says, if we can't seriously turn this around, I think it's reasonable to consider trading Goldschmidt. He's 35, making a lot of money. Uh, I'm not ready to have that conversation. Maybe I'm wrong to feel that way, but listen to me. If the Cardinals are a seller at the deadline to the extent that they are trading Paul Goldschmidt, you can forget about it. Heads will roll, and they should. Like, there should be nobody in the organization that's safe, and Mo will still be safe probably in that case because, again, uh, you know, it, it, he would leave at that point, but it would be kind of like David Stearns with Milwaukee. He's taken a step back, right? He wouldn't be fired. But, yes, um, if it gets to the point where we legitimately talk about should they trade Paul Goldschmidt, that is when you will see me go, you can fire anybody you want to. It doesn't matter. Fire them all. Because that the Cardinals in 2023 should not be living in that world. They have too much talent to be living in that world. So I won't accept it at this point. Um. Does anyone know how McGreevy did for Memphis tonight? I don't. And the one thing I'll say about minor league scores, you can't freaking find them. I could pull it up. If it was MLB.com, I could pull it up within five seconds. It'll take me 10 years to find it on, especially while doing a live stream on MILB.com. So I'm not even going to try. Sorry. Uh, David, why are we not getting any urgency from Marmol or Mosellock? They're on track to be the most disappointing team this century, getting nothing from the supposed leadership. Yeah, they have to fix it. I don't know what the obvious answers are, but it's on them to fix it. And to be on the same page, too, because I think there's a case to be made that they were not on the same page when it came to Jordan Walker, and that's kind of why you saw what you saw. I don't know that for a fact. I'm just saying it's a little bit weird, right, that it took until Wednesday to do it. If you're going to move him down, move him down. Move him down when it's Paul DeYoung, right? Why does Taylor Monter even have to be off the roster if he's not going to fly to meet the Memphis team? It doesn't make any sense. Burleson's offense does not justify his defense, and that is becoming truer by the day. When he was hitting at the beginning of the season – we were in Ollie Marmel's office, and he's, and we had this conversation about the five outfielders. And he said, you sit Burleson. Like, you do it. I'm not doing it. You do it. You want to sit Burleson? Go ahead. What do you, I mean, he kind of challenged everybody in that room. And he was right to do so at the time because I wouldn't have sat Burleson at that point either because he was hitting. But if he's not, he shouldn't get eternal latitude to just continue not hitting. The same for Tyler, and I would say the same for Dylan, but they already know that about Dylan. They don't let, they don't let Dylan play. Dylan is under the bus. I don't know why. And it's not in the media. It's not in the way they talk about him. It's when they write out the lineup card, he's under the bus. That's it. And if that's how they view him now, the Cardinals messed up huge not trading him last year, which is not to say that they could have gotten a Juan Soto for him. Don't hear what I'm not saying. But they clearly, if this is the way they view him and this is all he's going to be, which it might be a self-fulfilling prophecy, that's the scary part of it. If they continue to treat him like he's a fourth outfielder, and maybe that's part of the, the Walker move, right? Like trying to give him some more opportunity. But for me, it's it's easily Dylan over Burleson on, on most days. The problem is, the problem is Burleson can hit right-handed pitching based on like what you expect on paper, and Dylan doesn't. It's kind of like they're the, the reverse side of a platoon offensively, but very much they are not that way defensively. But if you're talking about we have to support the pitching staff, what do you want your identity to be? This is what we've talked about. Do you want it to be an offensive juggernaut team? Okay, you have to score runs. If you're not, you ain't that team. Okay, do you want it to be a team that can pitch their way to wins? Maybe the defense should reflect that with Carlson in center, O'Neill in left, Newt Bar in right. That's going to be your best defensive alignment. And so pick one or the other and decide what you're going to go be and be it. But if not, like you, you that's where the identity stuff comes in to me. Uh, team's better with Jordan Walker on it. End of story. I agree. And no, Mike Walker was not the issue, but they've made, a, made it clear what they're going to do. They're going to see this play out. I'm hopeful that it's a three-week to one-month sort of thing, and then they make a decision on what the playing time needs to be when he comes back. And it needs to be daily, if you ask my opinion. Uh, Ryan says the Walker move makes sense. The clubhouse with the team struggling is uh, is not good for a 20-year-old to be involved in. Uh, and then you say that Mater over Yepes makes sense, too, as Yepes will be traded and the value decrease working with MLB coaches. Well, I don't agree with that second part, but I, I respect your right to say it. Uh, the organization can't do both. Uh, I see a Bush League team, DeMote Walker, because of the defense, maybe. Yeah, I mean, his defense is terrible. Don't get me wrong. 
Um, but that's not his fault. You knew that coming out of spring training. You knew what he was defensively. Don't tell me you didn't because you got to see him every day in spring training and his defense is bad. It was bad then. It wasn't maybe this bad, but it wasn't good. You knew what it would look like. You could project what it would look like. So don't tell me in, in March that it's fine and that we believe he can work through stuff. And then you get into not even May. It's still April. And suddenly it's different. And like, it's just, I, I don't buy it, man. That was the misstep. The misstep was bringing him in the first place. If you weren't going to let him see him, see himself through some struggles. Newton left Carlson center Walker and right everyday play ball. That's what I would have done. That is what I said two nights ago that they should have done, but they went a different way, which we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. Maybe we overestimated the team and uh, the Cardinals are truly this bad. That's Philip. Welcome in Philip. I don't know, man. Maybe they are. I still don't think that I got to decide by what date I'm going to keep sitting here telling y'all. I still don't think that because I'm going to sound like a damn moron if they are <laughs> like, but Hey, I'm going to sound really smart if I bring it back because I am on an island right now. It really feels like I am. Uh, Double Dabble asked why I bring Motter back up. I don't know, and if you can figure it out, let me know because I would love to know the answer to that. And not just like the answer that they're going to give, but like the real answer. Luke, it might just be recency bias amplified by the nightmare streak, but I feel like Marmel switches up the lineup in positioning far more than any manager the Cardinals have had this century. He does, um, but that's by design. They've got more analytically inclined in the front office. Remember the philosophical differences with Mike Schilt? That was with the front office, man. And they got the guy they wanted to take him to take over. And so I thought there wouldn't be those differences. There shouldn't be. If you fired the last guy for having differences, there should be some synergy with this next guy. And I think last year, in many ways, there were, there, there was that synergy. And now I would like to think it's still there, but there are definite struggles happening. And so I don't know if it's like so much consternation between the, the field staff and the front office, but the execution of whatever plan they put together as a group is failing at this point. That part I, I do know. Allison, thank you for subscribing to the podcast on Apple. Yeah, if you have an iPhone, Apple Podcast is a great way to listen to Be Shaved Daily. A lot of times it'll be similar stuff to what we see on YouTube. Um, but when the team is at home, I don't do as many live videos, especially post-game, because I'm at a lot of those games. And so then it's 1 a.m. I'm sitting at my computer alone recording the audio, recording the video, putting it on YouTube. Uh, but I will have other YouTube videos as well that aren't just these lives. So make sure you subscribe to uh, YouTube. I Please, the YouTube channel is up to 400. Um, full disclosure, I got to get it to 1,000 as fast as I can. So uh, help me out there and subscribe if you enjoy the content. If you don't, don't subscribe because then you'll just be like a heckler, which I guess is fine too. John, uh, Brendan, <laughs> John asks if, if life is worth living. I'll hang up and listen. Yes, it is. I can still say that that is the case. Um, but if you've made... Cardinals baseball, your life. This may be a hard summer for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, what a time for Goldie's second uh, GDP of the year. Nate, that's a great point, man. Uh, Clayton says, Wazah. Snip says that Mo is terrible. Ollie and Mo haters don't look so bad now. Eh? FYI, just teasing. No, man, like it's you are. Everybody can can pick their place, right? You can pick your battle. You can say, here's how I feel. I'm going to make my stance known. My stance is Moe's had a lot of success in this organization, and uh, even if you think he should be fired, he won't be. Um, he'll name the date that he leaves and has kind of earned that equity in a lot of ways, but the owner certainly thinks so, and his is the only opinion that matters. Uh, Ollie Marmel, I still think, is a good manager, but it's up to him to fix this and, and do it quickly because the more games you lose, even if you get it fixed, you still win 83 and miss the playoffs. Like, there comes a point where it is too late. I don't think it's there yet, but each day they lose another game you look at, I think C70 on Twitter put this together where he said, like, here's the winning percentage now that they would need to get to 90 games. It's becoming Herculean by the day. And it can happen. You rattle off 10 in a row, and suddenly it doesn't feel that bad. But they're not winning no 10 in a row right now. They're, they're not winning two in a row right now. That's a problem here. Um, between now and June, when Walker comes back, uh, which outfielder wants to not get traded? Yeah, it's basically an audition of either who wants to not get traded or who wants to, And, like, I don't think they – I mean, they all want to be on this team, right? But more than that, you want to play every day. But to play every day, you got to earn the playing time. Whether it's here or somewhere else, you've got to play well. And, uh, yeah, it's an audition for these guys because Jordan Walker is going to be back. I firmly believe that. And the edict from John Moselock when he gets back better be put his ass in the lineup. That better be the edict because he needs to play. I don't understand why he didn't play the last two days, but it seems like it was all planned ahead of time. And maybe their secret plan was, we don't want everybody to know that it was actually Paul DeYoung that Jordan Walker got sent down for. 
You didn't fool anybody. We saw it happen still. So I don't know what they were playing at with the whole wait three days and, and make it be Modder that comes back. Um, and by the way, nobody else in the MLB wanted Modder on their 40-man. So, like, they he was going to go right to Memphis. It's just crazy. Uh, Patrick, basketball is unique. A superstar can control the game. Uh, soccer is a better example of how you can't do it alone. Uh, soccer is an example for sure. Baseball is also an example. Like, a pitcher can to an extent, but you also got to have hitters. They don't even let the pitchers hit anymore. One individual hitter can do some great things. He cannot win his team a game. If, if it could happen, Paul Goldschmidt basically would have done it tonight, the ninth inning notwithstanding. Uh, John says that the outfield has been a cycle since mid-2015, always one or two that cannot produce at a given time. Yes. The Cardinals have failed abundantly over the past six or seven or eight years in figuring out their outfield. It's been an absolute joke. It's why they had to trade for Marcelo Zuna because they said they did. Fans would have rioted that offseason if they didn't make the Ozuna deal. And the Ozuna deal burned them. Like, the the outfield has been an absolute nightmare for the Cardinals for years. And this year coming in, it's like you have a, a lot of talent. This should finally be the time that they fix it. They haven't. As of yet, they haven't. Luke has no idea where to start with the turnaround. Everything is a disaster. You think they'll balance it out, play up to their potential, but at what point? Exactly. And if it doesn't come till June, I'm telling you, it'll have been too late. They have to do it sooner than that. What do they see in Modder? I don't know. Steven says Big Sip. Yeah. And this is vodka. Y'all didn't even know that. No, I'm just playing. Uh, CJ says something has to give. John says that Nolan looks awful. Uh, I don't know that he has the yips, but he does look a little rough. But I will say, when he pulls the ball down the line the way he did the left, it was a foul ball. But that's more the Nolan that we're used to seeing. It's more the one that he's going to have to continue to, uh, to be. And hopefully he can turn that around pretty quick. Can they beat Webb tomorrow? Logan Webb is a toughie. Probably not. <laughs> no, they're going to have to just absolutely bust it up, score seven or eight runs to do it, right? They need that that breakout kind of game. But they got it on Wednesday against the D-backs, and they ended a guy's career, and they still couldn't have used that to propel themselves forward. So I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Paul DeYoung is a hell of a drug. He sure is. I love Paul D, though. I want him to succeed, but it's just like, he is such a small part of the the things going on with this team right now. Clear house and promote the entire AAA staff. Nah, they've done that before. <laughs> I've been around long enough to know they've they've basically done that before. Uh, and it, 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 it still ended the same way. Too many Cardinals players playing in the World Baseball Classic instead of with their team. That's interesting. That's interesting. I don't really know if I have a firm take on that. I respect the Cardinals for being very hands-off, telling guys they didn't have to stay. But I wonder if they regret that at this point. Like, nobody wants to be the GM, and maybe some guys didn't mind doing it. But, like, I could see Mo. I talked to Mo about this, and I asked him about Contreras. Like, what was that conversation like? And he said there really wasn't one. I asked him if he planned to play. He said, no, I think it's important for me to be here. And that's that was a conversation. And I said, well, were you glad to hear that? He said, well, of course. I mean, that's new catcher. It makes sense to want to have that camaraderie and, and build that up with your teammates. And so we felt that was important, but we weren't going to stop him. We weren't going to tell him no if he wanted to play. There were some guys that effed up by going. Like, Henesis Cabrera didn't make this team because he went. He didn't get a chance to prove himself in, in spring against all those other lefties. Now he's here, and he looks like the Henesis of old, and so he probably wonders, like, man, I could have been here from the beginning. But and maybe that doesn't matter in the long run. But it's like, the, who wants to be that team to say, no, don't go play for your country? That's, that's kind of a dick move. I don't know at the end of the day if they regret it. Um, I, I think they regret 9-16, and 16, though, so anything's possible. Hunter says, I know it's early, but if the trend continues, who are some guys uh, that I see getting shopped? I won't go there yet because, I I mean, like contract-wise, Tyler O'Neill could be traded, but what's the value if he's not hitting? Um, what you would do is you would look at the short-term commitments. Like Jordan Montgomery, you could trade him. Jack Flaherty, you could trade him. Like that would be the, that would be the trades that would make sense. If the Cardinals are really out of it by July, which I don't think they will be, so I, I hate to entertain this at all, but you trade Flaherty for, you know, you reload. You trade Flaherty. You trade Montgomery. Um, you can't trade Mats. You signed him. You know, I'm sorry, uh, Michaelis. You can't trade Michaelis because you signed him. You can't trade Mats. You did sign him as well, but he's not pitching well. Um, I don't. Have, I don't even have a lot to say about Mats tonight. Like, can I just say that it says all that I would ever need to say by the fact that he pitched four innings and Jordan Hicks was in for the fifth? Like, what is that, man? It's not like he was bad, but he wasn't efficient. Ninety pitches. 4.0 innings, a couple runs, three walks, nah, home run. 
it's not good enough right now. And Matt's is the one that I would say does get replaced if this continues. Is it by Libertor? Is it by McGreevy, Graceffo? I don't know who it ends up being by. And I did, I know I got a question about Graceffo earlier, but I, I, it's been lost to time here, unfortunately, in, in this uh, in this uh, chat. And uh, McGreevy was good tonight for Memphis, uh, said CJ. So that's good. Uh, Moder over Yepes. Yeah, we've talked about that. It's a mistake. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. I think you, in that role, if you've got enough utility infielders, unless DeYoung can't be one, they have enough. I think they need more offense, and they didn't uh, didn't get it. Brad, they're playing in London. Oh no, they got to figure it out before then. Can't have Londoners thinking this is Cardinals baseball. Yeah, dude, they're gonna embarrass themselves in in uh, in England across the pond. That's not what you want. Um, let's see here. Uh, Ollie acting very nonchalant, still passive on the post game interview. Still uh, spouting will turn around. It feels like no sense of urgency. Yeah, I. I think he's just being the way he knows how to be, and he doesn't expect it to be as bad as it's been. But, yeah, I would like to see something different. But the post-game interviews isn't what matters, right? Like, I know we talk about it, but but I do believe that, you know, you could you could show a little bit of a different side in that, and it could maybe have an impact. But at the same time, I think it's more important what side he shows in the clubhouse talking to players. That's what matters right now. The, the the come to Jesus meetings need to be in that room. But if Ollie doesn't have the the ear of the room right now, which I'm not saying he doesn't, but if he doesn't, you can't have a meeting led by the manager that's going to go well. You know what I'm saying? Like that's you got to know how to handle it as a manager and as a coaching staff when when you're going through these things um, to to avoid it sending the wrong message. I guess I would say because you can't go in there. What are you going to go do? Ollie's going to go in there and start flipping over chairs and stuff and going. You know, TLR on like what are the what is it going to be? I don't really understand what what it exactly would be. But the beauty of it is, it's not my job to figure it out. It's his. He has to find out, and he's got to do it. Um, I did not hear what Al said on the post game though. No, don't DFA Matts because you owe him twenty two million. So you got to figure something out. He could be an expensive reliever next year, maybe. But like that's I know a sunk cost fallacy, but man, that would be rough. But you could pull him from the rotation and have him be a reliever. That's that's still legal. Why do they continue to swing at the first pitch in high opportunity at bats? It's a continual issue. I don't know. The plate discipline's been bad as a team. I would say that. I think I'm comfortable to say that. Uh, the umpire Ali yelled at to retire last year. Uh, that umpire must be laughing now. Yeah, he probably is. That umpire, I think Buckner, he's kind of a jerk. Um, but yeah, he probably does. He probably does feel pretty good about. Uh, the Cardinals struggling, if I had to guess, about the type of uh, vindictive umpires you get in MLB sometimes. Uh, close to seeing a Libertor appearance. Uh, 1.12 whip through 27 innings in Memphis. Yeah, man, like, you could see him start for Mats the next time. And that wouldn't be, like, super fair, but I, I'm saying, like, it's getting to desperation mode to where I start to think of what the moves could be, and do I expect it? No, but could I see Libby take Mats's next turn? I wouldn't call it impossible. I would not call it impossible by any means because desperate times do call for desperate measures. Um, so that would be a lot, man. $22 million they owe him for the next two years. They still owe him, you know, eight more for this year. That's a lot, but it's not impossible. Yeah, if Libby keeps going, it, it'll happen. Brad asked me a, a valuable question. Have I considered using StreamYards for these broadcasts, allowing for screen sharing, displays, comments, multiple platform streaming, overlays, guest invites, and more? I have considered it, actually. Um, there's like a $20 a month version. Uh, I don't make money from these right now. And so I I do have to be a little bit careful about uh, what I spend. But I also recognize that I may have to invest in myself a little bit. Um, but the one thing I'll say to the 30 of you still here, and you may say, ah, screw you. But for like five bucks a month, you can join the Patreon. And that is something that helps me out for sure. Patreon.com slash bshafer12. If you don't want to do that, no obligation. Uh, do for free subscribe on YouTube, subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, though, uh, because that costs you nothing. So if you like my content, it really helps me out. But yeah, StreamYard, uh, I just talked to somebody about that last night, actually, that I want. I have a few people in mind to, to have as regular guests that I think those folks and I can make some fun content about the Cardinals together. And so I'm definitely looking into it. But another nervous aspect, Brad, is my internet sucks. Another anti-advertisement for Spectrum. If you ever have another option that's not Spectrum, pick the other option. I'm so pissed off at them right now. It's not even funny. Uh, and I can't really use anybody else. Don't tell them that because I'm going to tell them otherwise. No, I'm going to leave you. 
what am I going to do? There's nothing I can do. <laughs> but yeah, uh, if my internet was like solid, I would start going, all right, I'm going to invite these guests on, these people that I know that would be good to do Cardinals content with. But it gets a little tricky. I, I would be pretty embarrassed if my internet crapped out the first time I asked, you know, a few different people that I'd like to tap into. So it's coming. Just stay patient with me, but continue to support what I'm doing and uh, we'll get there even faster. That would be my 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 comment. Uh, Ronell says the Cardinals always over ex- ex- exterminate their players. Um, I don't know what you're looking for there, but he says they need better dudes. Mo is gun shy because of the trades. I agree with that, Ronell. Mo is gun shy because of the trades. He has not been a good trade maker under the, the circumstance that I'm going to describe. He's very good when another team has a high-priced superstar they're looking to unload, Goldsmith Arenado. Nobody in the game is as good as taking advantage of those situations as Mo. But where he struggles is we've got a known surplus and we have to get rid of it for fair value. He can't do it. Time has shown that he cannot do that effectively. Look at this past offseason. You had all these outfielders. You knew it. You had all these extraneous arms. They couldn't consolidate it the way they needed to. It's not a strong suit of John Mosellock, and that's a fair criticism, I think. Uh, Starlink is available in the Midwest. I don't think I have it here, Brad. I don't think I can get anything but Spectrum. I'm waiting for those fiber optic cables to be installed in my neighborhood. That's what I need. Uh, one second. I don't want to cough in your face, so give me one second. This starts to happen when I don't drink enough water. Ryan said, it's early, y'all. Just be patient. There you go. I didn't say it. He did. Don't come at me. He said it. The real questions that I want to ask leadership at this point. Spencer, that's a really good question. It's a hard one to just like answer on the fly right now. But it's a lot of the stuff that I've been saying. What do you want this team's identity to be? Would be the question I would ask leadership. Um, Because they have been caught in between on identity in a lot of ways this year. I think the Jordan Walker move is a signal of, hey, we're we're recognizing some of the issues that, that happened and the errors that were made. Walker wasn't the problem is my thing with it, though. But if Ollie's going to continue to play certain guys over others, you might just have to take one guy away so that guy who's 20 years old can make sure his development is not ruined. So, like, identity would be a question. I would say, uh, I, I would ask about urgency. What is the point at which there needs to be urgency in this rotation? Because you can see from guys like Monty and Flaherty and even Michaelis, I would say that things are getting better. Wainwright's going to have his shot to prove himself. But when do you get to the point of urgency with a guy like Steven Matz? Because I don't think I've seen a lot of signs that it's going to get better from Steven Matz. And what he's done, uh, out of one side of my mouth, I'll say it's not terrible, even though the ERA is 6.23. But like individual starts, you go, okay, four innings, two runs today. That's not going to kill you, but it is going to nickel and dime you to death over the course of weeks and weeks and months. Because if you're never getting anything more than that out of him, that's a problem. And so where's the urgency? When does that arrive with Steven Matz is another question I would ask um, to, to leadership. So those are just a couple of examples. There are more, um, but those are a couple. CJ, should the Cardinals consider giving uh, Dakota Hudson another chance at this rotation? I would say no. I mean, sure, eventually, maybe. But is he left-handed Steven Matz at this point? Maybe, Or probably right-handed Steven Matz at this point? He might be. So I would be more inclined to give somebody else a turn first, like Libertor, because I think his upside's better than Dak. Although Dak could get it back, it's just kind of like you got to go with your gut. What do you really think is going to happen with a guy who's had several chances? Um, Dakota's not a bad pitcher, but it is one of those things that the Cardinals have got to make sure they're they're making the best decision each time because the margins are getting thinner with this team the more they lose. Luke is not confident that the Car- the Cardinals – the guys the Cardinals have traded away that have blossomed would have done so with the Cardinals. It doesn't think they it seem like they've done a very good job of developing big league talent in a while. Luke, you're right, man. I had this conversation earlier this week. Sandy Alcantara never would have become Sandy Alcantara on this team because he was viewed as a six starter that doesn't, you know, he's a bullpen guy. He's a swing man. When he goes to the Marlins, he has a chance to just be himself. And look what that turned into. Zach Gallant, same thing. He was never on the pecking order. He wasn't even on the list. You were like, Jack Flaherty, Dakota Hudson, even Sandy. Those guys were above Zach Allen. He didn't. They, he wouldn't get the time of day here. He was going to get Jake Woodford in around for six years. Like, imagine. Jake Woodford might be the same way. The best thing that could have happened to Johan Oviedo is they traded him to the freaking Pirates. 
because there he just could go pitch. And now suddenly, look, it's working for them. They're winning games. It's hard to develop when you have to win every year, and that's what the Cardinals are. But they could have done a better job of it than they've done. And the onus is on them to fix it. Because you're right. They haven't developed pitching talent very effectively. Alex Reyes, another example. I know injuries played into that, but come on. Dakota Hudson, great example. Why not? He was a top prospect. Matthew Libertor, we're hoping to see him do more, but so far, so not what they were looking for when they traded Randy Rosarena to get him. The outfield, same thing. A Rosarena, Adelis Garcia. Like, the proof is in the pudding at some point. Allison wants my thoughts on the blackout rules in Iowa. You're blacked out from six teams. Allison, it's hard. My hope is that it doesn't last forever. I don't have a lot to say. I should do, and, I, and I've and i done. Go back on B-Shape Daily, Allison. It's on Apple and Spotify. You might have to scroll for a while, but I talked about the blackout stuff. I think it was in Jan- mid-January because uh, Bill DeWitt talked about it at Winter Warm-Up. I did a whole episode on it. It's ridiculous is my short version, and MLB needs to fix it. I think they're going to. Once Bally and the whole RSN thing collapses the way that it that it ought to eventually, um, I think MLB will fix it, but it, it's going to take some time. But yeah, it's so archaic, it's ridiculous. You guys in Iowa are getting completely screwed. There's no other way to put it. Uh, Spencer, just thinking that Gallon, Wisdom, Alcantara, Rosarina were all cards at one point, and it hurts now. Yup. <laughs> I don't have anything. Like, Patrick Wisdom is another example. They didn't trust him to have the opportunities with the Cardinals. And then he goes to the Cubs, and it took him a little while. But you you are given the latitude to play and play through your struggles. You turn into a stud. Wisdom is a stud at this point. Uh, letting Quintana go is kicking the Cardinals in the nuts as well. No, it's not Spencer, and the only reason is he's hurt too. He's not even healthy. So uh, they, they actually may have dodged a bullet with that one because I think he wanted a multi-year deal. And uh, Laborer88 says, can't expect the offense to score six a game almost every time. I don't agree with that. I think you can. I think you can expect them to score five or six a game. That's the way they're built. And if, it, if they don't get it done, yeah, the onus is going to be on the pitching staff to be better. But, nah, man, I think that's the kind of offense. They need to be a top three offense if they're going to be uh, what they want to be. That's honestly the way I look at it. All right, folks, I think we've made it to the end of the comments. If I missed your comment, I'm at bshafer12 on Twitter. Give me a DM. Let me know that I missed you. I apologize. Before you wrap things up here, if you haven't liked the stream, do it. Give me a subscription on YouTube if you would be so kind. It's the one thing you can do for me after a 70-minute podcast that can make a world of difference when I log off and go, okay, I gained a few new ones. And then join me next time. We do these all the time. Hopefully, we'll be able to do them after a Cardinals win eventually. I don't know when that day is going to come, um, but I appreciate you guys so much for joining me tonight. Make sure you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify as well. And if you want to take the next step to support me in a brand new way, patreon.com slash bshafer12. Five bucks a month is the cheapest sub that I have on there. Um, and the other part of this is bonus content will be coming. I'll, I'm doing podcasts uh, throughout the week that you will only get as a Patreon subscriber. I've done one so far. I plan to do more as time goes on. I'm going to read, though, the next few comments, and then we're going to bounce here at about 1 a.m. Uh, Allison, thank you for subscribing. Yeah, check that out. Go back to mid-January for that Blackouts episode uh, from winter warm-up times. Uh, Michael, it will be more fun when the Cardinals win. Brad, thanks, my friend. They did win in 06 by outslugging other teams. Maybe they can do it again now, but Mike mentions that only four MLB teams have ever made the playoffs with fewer than 10 wins in the first 25 games. And that's where the Cardinals are right now. Yippee! All right, guys. Appreciate y'all. Thank you so much for joining me. Give me a like. Give me a sub. I'm a bounce. We'll talk to you next time on B-Shafe Daily Live. Peace!